interestingly enough, Luke actually doesn't record Jesus saying that it was a parable. So perhaps it was an actual event. However, that's not all that important because it doesn't make any difference to the point that, that Jesus is seeking to answer the, the question that has been raised to him. And, and the question that has been answered, and we need to grasp this right at the beginning, the question that has been asked here is not what must I do to inherit eternal life. The question Jesus is addressing is who is my neighbor? That's the question. Till he knew the answer to eternal life. Jesus told him he did. But he has to do what we all have to do, which is put our trust in Jesus Christ. And to, as Jesus says in verse 27, love the Lord your God, now get this, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. I want to suggest to you that both of these commands in our own strength is impossible. I challenge you to go and try it. And I assure you, you will fail. And what I want to do from this parable is share with you four thoughts this morning. Very simple thoughts. I remember speaking to someone uh, who was telling me that I would mess it up, okay? But here we go, four things. There's a question that is posed. We don't know what the occasion was that is referred to in verse 25. It was probably another one of Jesus' teaching sessions. But we are told that either at the end of it or midstream or, or whatever, an expert in the law stood up. And we are told plainly what lay behind his question. He wanted to test Jesus. Now, this man, this expert in the law, he, 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 he would have been well versed in, in, in the Mosaic law at that time. He, he would have studied it. He, he would have taught it. He, he would have actually interpreted it for, for others. He, he would have known the law upside down, back to front, inside out, every way possible. So was he taking Jesus to task over what Jesus had been teaching? Or did he... Did he genuinely want to know? We, we don't know. Although the fact that Luke tells us that he stood up to test Jesus implies that perhaps, as in the past like the Pharisees, he was trying to trap Jesus. You see, as I said there earlier, correctness. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He tells him, and Jesus says, you've answered correctly. And he tells him to do what he has just said, namely to live it out. But this man wanted to justify himself. Friends, that is something that none of us can do. No matter how hard we try, no matter how good we try to be, how good is good. And he tries to kind of justify himself, maybe even looking for a wee bit of a loophole out. And so he asked Jesus a further question. He has grasped the first part. There's no problem with that about how to love God. But what about the neighbor part? Who is my neighbor? 
hours change so often that it's hard to kind of keep up with them. But who is my neighbor? That's what he wants to get at. And it's not for me to judge his motives. It's good to have questions. It's good to ask questions. But sometimes, friends, we just need to move on from asking them to, as this parable will show us, living out the answer. Particularly when we know what the answer is. As this expert in the law clearly did. And we need to be careful that we don't continually get to that place where we are testing Jesus. Sometimes it just makes it clear that this is what you need to do. There is a difference between questioning Jesus, that is kind of exploring and asking questions and seeking to test Jesus, almost put him to the test. Matthew 22, verse 15, the Pharisees were seeking to trap him in his words. And this parable is in response to the question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells us. So from the parable, we see another three things. Firstly, we see a victim that was exploited. We're not told very much about the victim other than he was a man. I happen to believe he was a Jewish man. I think Jesus would have said otherwise if it wasn't. And we are told that he is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Or he always kind of went up to Jerusalem to worship. And so when we read of coming down from Jerusalem, Often it refers to coming back from the place of, from the temple, from the place of worship. And as he's and they strip him and, 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 and they take his clothes and they beat him and they leave him by the side of the road halfway. This road from Jerusalem to Jericho was probably something about 17 miles and, and, and it would go through a kind of mountainous uh, territory and all along the road sits to kind of sit behind and, and, and wait for unsuspecting guests coming, uh, unsuspecting travellers sorry, coming down the road. And this poor guy is the victim. He has been exploited by others and he is left at the side of the road lying there unable to do anything to help his situation, but as described as half dead. What's going to happen to him? The victim. He's in need of help. He is in the state that he is in, not through any fault of his own. He didn't ask to be robbed. He's a victim. And he needs help. And before moving on to the next point, I want us just to stop and press the pause button there for a moment. And I want us to think on the victims that are exploited today. Think on those who, figuratively speaking, and, and literally some, 
that are lying by the side of the road. They are needing help. They are looking for help. And I guess the question to ask before we think, what can we do, is this. Do we see them? Do we see them? We will see as we work our way through this parable that the problem was not that the priest and the Levi did not see him there. They did. They just ignored him. But is there the danger that we, amidst all our busyness, just don't see those who are being exploited? Those who are victims? Those who are lying by the side of the road, those who are pushed out to the margins of society. Have you ever thought about the plight of those caught up in sex trafficking? Of those who, through no fault of their own, found themselves unemployed and unable to keep up payments and either fall foul of loan sharks or end up in the street. Victim exploitation is all around us. What about the plight? We've been really been challenged by this in, in recent weeks and months, particularly the road situation over in, in, in Northern Ireland. What about the plight of the unborn? Who's going to see that? Who's going to speak up for them? There is so much victim exploitation around us today. May the Lord open our eyes to see and where and when possible to help to find. However, hinted at a moment ago, seeing, seeing it's not enough. Seeing it's not enough. And it makes me think of the third point, victim that was avoided. It was regularly, it was, it was used by many people, but it was used by worshippers on it going up to the temple at Jerusalem. And, and, and so perhaps even this priest is on his way home from church today. He's just left the temple. He's been in the presence of God. And he's walking home. And as this poor victim lay there in all kinds of agony and distress, maybe even he, he's kind of beginning to, and then you're just kind of coming to, and you know, not quite like a you know, blurry figure coming towards you, and gets nearer and nearer. And, 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 and as each step kind of gets closer and closer, he begins to realize, it's a priest. It's a holy man. It's a man of God. Oh, help is on its way at last, I think. And we are told clearly that the priest, when he saw the man, he saw the man. saw the man he just passed by on the other side of the road this priest 
this Jew avoids helping a fellow Jew. There is no escape for such intent. Some of the commentators, either whether trying to justify it or maybe, I don't know, but suggest that, well, as a priest, he wasn't meant to come in contact with a dead body or he would be ritually unclean. Really? Yeah, that was true. But first of all, he didn't even take the time to look to see if the person was dead or not. And secondly, by, as I've said, by going down from Jerusalem, he's on his way back. Simply wasn't going to be doing anything from here. Can you imagine that the letdown that this victim must have had? However, maybe things are going to get a little better. Well, as he's lying there for a little bit longer, maybe his kind of eyes are beginning to focus a little bit better. And then another kind of figure appears. And this time it's a Levite. And his heart must have kind of jumped a little bit again because a Levite would, for one of a better kind of description, be a kind of priest helper or an associate in the temple. But he does the same thing. He just walks on by. They both saw him. Were they on the way home from the temple? We don't know. Can't be sure. But you know, brothers and sisters, performing religious functions is one thing. Practicing religion is another. One writer says this, and it finds us so challenging. Hope I get the final word right. I've been practicing it all morning. But one writer says this. Sometimes we can be so involved in theology that we pity ourselves. Seems to me that these two religious people, these two fellow Jews just did not want to get involved. It's too messy. It was too costly. What would people say? Never believe what Rabbi Joe did. He went over and helped this person lie by himself. Does it matter? Somebody's in need. Doesn't that have a modern ring to it today? I'll just keep myself to myself. It's not really none of my business. Someone else can see to it. Brothers and sisters, as children of God, as those who have been loved and who have been given, sorry, forgiven, as followers of Jesus Christ, as citizens of the kingdom, helping the victim is our business too. Because we have been loved. And we have been showered with compassion. And, and if the church, generally speaking, okay, not just children, but please me, if the church and its representatives won't help, then who will? Th this guy's heart must have sank. They're the two people he would have expected to help. 
that we just walked by. And as we saw last week, last Sunday evening, I think it was, from the, from, from the parable of the, 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 the great banquet, we're all so apt at making excuses. Actually, these two didn't even make excuses. They just walked by. And this fellow human being has been robbed, has been exploited, and those expected to help avoided him completely. We need to be out there amongst the Again, as we were thinking last Sunday evening, into the highways, into the byways, into the towns, into the villages, compelling them. Caring for them. Bringing the love and the compassion and, yes, the healing and the forgiveness that we need to give people. Excuses don't wash when someone is in this kind of danger. Would you want someone to walk by the door? May we see, but may we also respond. Because that brings me to my final point that we see the victim that was rescued. You know, the longer that the victim lay, the worse, I guess, his condition became. And now, he has just watched as what he would have thought his kind of best chances, probably his kind of sight is maybe getting better, and some other blurry figure appears. Now, we, we, we don't know how he knew it was a Samaritan, right? Maybe it was the way he dressed, I, I, I don't know. But he knew it was a Samaritan, and I think at that point his heart must have sank. Because in his mind, if a priest and a Levite wasn't going to help them, there wasn't the Jews and the Samaritans. To put it bluntly, they hated one another. The, the Jews saw them as nothing more than half-breeds, both physically and spiritually. And, and, and they had absolutely nothing to do with each other. Nothing at all. So as this and I believe it was a Jew lies there, and this Samaritan approaches, the guy's heart must have sank. But no, it's not the priest. When the Samaritan, use the same language, when the Samaritan saw him. So the Samaritan saw him, just like the priest saw him, just like the Levite saw him. When the Samaritan saw him, he had He was moved by the plight of this victim. And he goes over to him. And he bandages him. And he soothes his oil. He soothes his cut, sorry, and, and his bruises. And, 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 and he puts him on his donkey. And he takes him to the nearest inn. And it keeps getting better. He pays for his keep. And he tells the innkeeper that keep him and I will, I, I, I will. Samaritan had compassion. Do you know, I think this Samaritan also must have had a certain amount of 
kind of, if you like, street cred or, or certainly good standing, certainly in the eyes of the innkeeper. Try going into the travel and leaving someone and saying, and I'll come back and pay for them in a few days' time. The innkeeper took him at his word. He must have been a man of his word. He must have been trusted. This was overall care, holistic care. He saw to his immediate needs and he also saw to his conduct. See, it's so easy to bring in the kind of gospel here and such like, but this story is about who is my neighbor. Don't lose sight of that. And this would have shocked all of these people who were listening, none more so than the expert one. They would not have expected this in a million years. A Samaritan. A Samaritan stopped and helped. That half-breed of people, that's what would have been going through their mind. And as we think on this, I, I, I don't think you can ignore the challenge. This Samaritan had pity, yes. But it didn't stop there. He actually did something about it. And it was costly. Caring and compassion and, and loving and reaching out is costly. In many ways, it cost the Samaritan. How full of pity are we for the plight of the victim? How willing are we to invest our finance and our time in helping others? Not for anything else other than helping them. This Samaritan doesn't preach to them. Well, he could have been Jewish anyway, but that's not that that's wrong. Everybody needs to hear the gospel. But he saw to his immediate needs. Saw to his immediate needs. You see, as I've said and tried to reiterate, at the heart of this parable is the call to be a responsible neighbor to those in need. Brothers and sisters, that is a basic element. And it doesn't matter who the victim is. And, and then if this thing in the tale wasn't enough regarding the kind of hero of the story, the hero of the parable being the Samaritan, which just would have blown their minds away, Jesus asks another, Jesus asks a question. Don't you find the questions of Jesus so probing? They're usually quite sharp, short, sharp, and to the point. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The answer is obvious, isn't it? You don't need to kind of phone a friend, ask God, and see, you know, pick your pick. The answer is as clear as the nose on your face. Or when we were reading it, and I'm sure you know this parable well, but did you notice how the expert in the law answered? 
he can't even bring himself down to say the Samaritan. Jesus made it clear that it was a Samaritan that helped. He, he can't even, yeah, at least get that one. And then Jesus says, simply, yet so profoundly, go and do likewise. Actually, scholars in the Greek tell us that it could be translated, go and keep on doing likewise. It's not a kind of one-off. It's not that the Samaritan's done his deed and that's it. He actually kept on doing things from that. But in, in the Greek, Jesus is saying here, go and keep on doing. It's not a one-off. This is how we are to live as disciples of Jesus. This is how we are to live as those who already have eternal life. We are to love our neighbor, whoever that neighbor might be, as yourself. Much you love yourself. Whoever that neighbor is, it might even be, as it were here, a sworn enemy. You see, discipleship is not an easy road. As I said, this is not about how to get eternal life. That is in faith in Christ alone. And Jesus has already made that clear when he talks about love God with everything that you have. This is how we are to live as those who have already received it. Kingdom living. Loving God with all our heart and with all our strength and with all our soul and with all our mind is to respond to God at every level. One, one writer puts it like this. Also at an ethical level that translates into the loving concern the Samaritan shows. Hear and do likewise. Only in his terms are we able to do that. Do we know what it is to love God with everything that we have and to love our neighbor as ourselves? Because there are victims out there the love and the compassion of the one who has shown us love in Christ. Hear the call of the kingdom. Let's stand as we prepare to sing this hymn. Let's stand now in preparation for singing.